I'm Alex Sharfin, and this is the Momentum Podcast, made for empire builders, game changers, trailblazers, shot takers, record breakers, world makers, and creators of all kinds. Those among us who can't turn it off and don't know why anyone would want to. We challenge complacency, destroy apathy, and we are obsessed with creating momentum so we can roll over bureaucracy and make our greatest contribution. Sure, we pay attention to their rules, but only so that we can bend them break them, then rewrite them around our own will. We don't accept our destiny, we define it. We don't understand defeat because you only lose if you stop, and we don't know how. While the rest of the world strives for average and clings desperately to the status quo, we are the minority, the few, who are willing to hallucinate there could be a better future, and instead of just daydreaming of what could be, we endure the vulnerability and exposure it takes to make it real. We are the evolutionary hunters, clearly the most important people in the world, because entrepreneurs are the only source of consistent, positive human evolution, and we always will be. Culture Meeting 2. Yesterday, you heard the first half of our company culture meeting for this month, and today you're going to hear the second half. It kicks off with Paul, who writes for us with a pretty hilarious introduction, but what I want you to listen for is how much you learn on these meetings, how much you hear about the people who are on your team, the connections that are created, the atmosphere that's created in a culture meeting where everyone comes to the table and explains why they want to be where they are together, achieving and accomplishing as part of your team. Every time I have one of these meetings, it's incredibly inspirational and it, it inspires me to become a better CEO. This meeting in particular, though, had me walking away and dedicated and committed to the becoming the CEO that's worthy of leading this team. When you listen to the second half of the culture meeting, when you hear the conclusion of just how incredible the team that we've assembled is, you'll see what I mean. Every single day, I make it my responsibility to live up to how incredible they are. Here's the second half of our culture meeting. I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed being in it. So let's go uh, to Paul. It's convenient that this is the one when Hagen's not here because he knows everything I'm about to tell you. <laughs> see, see how Zoom Zoom provides. Zoom provides. <laughs> Just Zoom kidding. The good Lord. Um, so uh, I'm Paul. I'm 26. Um, I'm new to this whole life thing. Um, so, uh, but uh, no, but I'm having a great time. Um, so I'm in the I'm in the U.S. Army. I'm a military police officer. Surprisingly, um, I don't do any actual policing. I do desk work. I actually wrote out a process checklist. I, Alex, I actually use your stuff at work, and my boss loves it. Like I'm detailing out processes that he can use in all of his different teams and all this other stuff. And I'm, it's, I, it's brilliant because what I'm doing is I'm basically replacing myself with processes like you teach, but for my nine to five job, that way I can work on your stuff and <laughs> I have more time. And, um, and I want you to know, Alex, you basically trained me for this job. Like you took me from nothing and made like just someone who had no clue what he was doing and made me into someone capable of pretending to be you on Facebook. <laughs> it's a beautiful cycle you know like a cloud so uh, awesome thank you but uh but seriously like you know the momentum Masterclass got me started you came on the podcast i was in gallant dill's group and i found out about you and i thought like sweet this guy will probably do a show with me 
because he's trying to promote his new podcast and you did and I, that's how we connected and um it was great and you sold me you pitched me on your on your momentum masterclass beta you started it off brilliantly you said this is not a sales pitch but I just opened up the new <laughs> I don't know if you remember that and I said right not a sales pitch got it but I signed up because I loved it <laughs> And it was great. And I'm still paying for it. I'm happy to pay for it because you have me on a $100 a month plan. So I'm paying for it till July, which is fine. I'm happy to pay for it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I love it. Changed my life. I have my momentum planner like right over there. I got two of them. I got one that's like this thick and it's all my backlog going back to uh, last uh, August or something. And then I got my smaller one that I actually use. So I use this stuff a lot. Sometimes I fall off, but I always come back <laughs> relatively quickly when I realize that I need it. Yeah, we're not looking for perfection, Paul. It works. Well, it's That's close. Awesome. Dude, it's like 90%. No, I mean, we're not looking for you to be perfect. It's cool. You miss a day. I mean, guys, I made the momentum planner. I miss a day or two here and there. But man, every time I do, I'm like, why do I ever do that? Yeah, it works so well. It yeah. just is such a difference. I've got my morning routine checklist over here on my whiteboard. Um, so yeah, I'm a true believer as they come. So that's why I'm here. Like what, what the hell else? Am I, you programmed me for this job. Like, literally, like, like if you didn't hire me, it'd be, it'd be cruel. I'd be like, where else am I going to use all this knowledge information? Um, so um so I'm working for you, the Army, and then I'm also the CEO of Excelsior Industries, which is the software company that Hagen and I are starting. Hagen is the, the COO, my second-in-command right-hand man, and he's doing a fantastic job. He's, he's amazing all the stuff that I suck at. So um, we have a great team. I'm super excited, but that's much more of a long-term thing. We're working on AI and blockchain to uh, – we want to be like Apple 2.0, basically and make like internet 2.0 software basically for for when the internet revolutionizes in like five years and no one knows what happened and we're like oh hey we've been working on this for a while so that's the plan <laughs> so <clears throat> loving it and uh can't wait to get out of the army and just do this full time awesome thanks paul yeah um that was super entertaining justin hester <laughs> All right. My name is Justin. I do customer service mainly. Uh, deal with all the phone calls, emails, and such. I also do minor technology stuff as well. Uh, kind of update the platforms with the resources and everything and content. Uh, I've been here since January, and I've worked a wide array of uh, jobs and stuff like that in my past. Uh, coming out of high school, I was actually an automotive technician for Ford and General Motors. Um, after that, I was an assistant engineer for Ameriqual, who they produce all the MREs for the military. <laughs> and then I was a canine deputy for 10 years. Uh, so many stomach aches owed to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a purchasing agent and an assistant engineer for that. That's it. I, I didn't make the food. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I was a canine deputy for 10 years, did that for a while, and then um, also, I was a customer service rep for a uh, kind of a technical advisor. So I had to tell people over the phone how to fix their uh, engines, transmissions, differentials, and stuff like that uh, for Jasper engines. 
but now it's just like a local company, but they're actually pretty big across the nation. And then stepped in this role. I've loved it ever since. Uh, it's kind of nice working from home. Um, everybody on the team love them. Uh, and actually the transparency of the whole team, because me, I'm all about honesty and integrity. And, you know, this, this whole team really bleeds it. And I really love that. And it's actually for the first time in a long time, I felt like appreciated uh, for what I do and everything else too. So it's, it's very nice. And I don't know, it's just a very welcoming and very appreciative team. And I love it. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Justin. I appreciate it, ma'am. I'm Hagen. All right, guys. So I kind of was born into entrepreneurship a little bit. Uh, my father was a real estate agency. Uh, he owned a real estate agency. Uh, he flipped and developed properties and that was kind of his right hand man. Like I would have the boyish charm and I would help him, you know, cause I knew what a prospect was and I would just be all friendly and like, Oh, my dad's the greatest. And I got a lot of joy out of that. Um, I also helped my grandfather caretake um, for a while. Then eventually I got into roofing um, my grandfather's company and like my grand plan around that time, I was like 14, 15, I wanted to like bring everything together because, you know, remodeling and real estate kind of go hand in hand. I'm like, Hey, if I can be the glue, I can create like an awesome family company. And uh, then 08 hit and it's like, Oh, well, (laughs) I guess that's not going to work out. And everything just kind of fell off from there. So I struck out, I tried to make it music in Austin, Texas, actually. Uh, But the punk rock scene wasn't as big because just like the modern indie stuff was, was taken off. Um, And then I found trading and just something about that really, I really loved it because it was just so like analytical, so many numbers and, you know, just doing all the calculations and stuff. And I really, I loved that. And I did it for about three years until I got with a marketing agency. And I was kind of like, at that point, it was really my introduction to like how the business world worked. Because I was the guy that just basically wore all the hats and had kind of a stake in like everything. Um, and then I actually met Paul and uh, we like, we really clicked because we were <laughs> totally out there, you know, like our ideas were so far unconventional and that's kind of how we clicked. And then he turned me on to the Momentum podcast and boy, like, it was like you were like, it was like you were in my head, basically, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it really like your message really stands for why I love entrepreneurship so much is because like entrepreneurs tend to have issues early on, especially, you know, when it comes to like conventional work environments or just the status quo or the school system, you know, they're always telling us like, oh, you got something wrong with you because you want to be creative and do something different or, you know, see things the same way. And Like, I think a lot of people grow up thinking that there's something wrong with them, but those are the exact people that we need in the world right now so it's like so important that people people are like realize that there's so much more that they can contribute and that's what really resonates with me you know because you you stand for for the thing that really makes it all worthwhile for me at the end of the day is basically self-actualization and you know developing those core skills that give us meaning you know because that's like the most powerful thing that we can do and that's how we help the world out. And that's why I believe in this so much. Like that's that's why I love the content because I really believe that stuff like this is what's changing the world. 
Thanks, Hagen. That's awesome. Dang. Um, Leanne. All right. Um, so I met Alex a couple of years ago, actually, with my friend Jean, who is um, a childhood friend of Katie's. And Jean had asked me, Jean's a hairdresser, and she'd asked me to go with her to um, an event that Alex was was teaching. And so I went for two days and was just, you know, blown away by the content. Um, but I was a GM then at Crate and Barrel doing that. And, um, but just so much of what he said about cultivating teams and accountability, transparency. I mean, it was, it was so what I believed and so opposite from what I was having to live on a daily basis in my job. Um, but it was, it was super powerful. So then fast forward a couple of years, um, 2017, I lost my job at Crate and Barrel. They did a massive, got rid of a bunch of GMs. And so um, I was out of a job for 11 months and just trying to figure out what the next thing was going to be. And I, I just knew I couldn't go back to doing something that was as heartless as that. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And so um, Jean was cutting my hair uh, and said, you know, you need to call Katie there. They, they've got, they've got a lot of things that they need to have happen at their house. I don't know what it would be, but I just told her that this, these are Jean's words. So please excuse my profanity. But she said, I just told her you're like Mary effing Poppins and you could just make stuff happen. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Is that what she said? And so I was like, okay, well that's, you know, that's kind of a tall order. But so, you know, I met Katie um, over coffee and um, we decided to do a little trial, see what I could do. And so basically I went and organized the girls homeschool room did that for a couple of days. And then Alex saw what I did and he was like, can you fix my office? And so I did. I think he still has post-it notes up in his office that I've done. So basically I was, I, I was just completely open. Like I said, I'd been in, you know, I'd been in a position for too long that um, where I loved the people that served on my team, but my job wasn't what I wanted it to be. And so then I got to go here every day and watch these people walk the walk and talk the talk and be with their kids. And kind of just observe how they were with you guys because I was just someone helping in their home, organizing their sock drawers and stuff. And so <laughs> then, um, you know, a position, uh, Alex had a need and said, what do you think about doing this? And I said, I've never done that before, but I'm totally open and I'll give it a shot. I, these are all the things I'm not good at, but these are the things I am good at. And he's still dealing with the kinks of what I'm not good at. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, every single day, it's, every single day is a good day. Every single day, I'm happy to be there. And this sort of encapsulates the whole thing. I was driving to work the other day, and I was talking to my dearest friend, Chase, who lives in Boulder. I had him on speaker, and I saw Alex and Kennedy and Reagan walking. They were doing their little walk, and there was little Kennedy with her little broken chicken wing. And I rolled down the window and I said, good morning, family. And, you know, they were all waving at me. Good morning. <laughs> and so, you know, then I rolled up the window because this was their family time. And I wanted them to be able to still have their family time before I do this very, you know, I, I invade their space every single day. And I rolled up the window and then I just watched them. I was still on the phone with Chase and I watched them. They all got in their little primal squat. <laughs> and I, I, clicked Chase over to FaceTime. I was like, you've got to see this. And he watched and he was like, it makes me so happy to know that every single day you get to go with people that do that. And I do, you guys, I mean, I, I love all of you guys, but I'm the luckiest one because every single day I get to be part of that. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
So there are a lot of things that I'm not good at, but every single day is a good day. Thanks, Leanne. That was awesome. I don't notice any of those things you're not good at. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was like, I don't think so, Leanne, because you are Mary Poppins. <laughs> really super, not technical, but Justin Hester is my friend. He has my boxer <laughs> on my computer for me now. And I had to tell him that I do a little dance and tell him how much I love him. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize, Justin, you were capable of that level of tech support. That's awesome. That's really cool because that means you can train it. He's really good at it. And he's incredibly patient, incredibly patient. As a recipient, I know why he's getting customer service. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Because if you were telling people how to fix cars, that's that's crazy high-level tech support. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, cool. Dude, that was the craziest culture meeting introductions ever. It's never felt like that before. I love the Momentum <laughs> podcast. I'll be right back. I'm listening, but I'll be right back. Okay, cool. So uh, I just want to explain the client-centric mission. It's Everybody knows what it is. It's you know We help visionary entrepreneurs <clears throat> build and grow teams so that they can create world-changing companies and, um, and make you know, massive contributions. And, but what's more important is I want us to grow a business where we make a massive impact, but we don't increase pain on the people in the business. Here's here, you know, what I'm really good at is growing businesses, but if we don't do it in a way where we build the right types of products and we put up the right boundaries and we're careful and protect our time and protect ourselves, then we'll grow business. We'll grow a business that makes it hard for all of us. But if we really, you know, if we consider, if we're considerate about what we do and we, we keep in mind that we do not want to make this business painful, we can grow a business that we all have fun in, you know, CDP, was crazy. We had at our very biggest, it was only 90 people. And we got to 12 million. And we had the US Treasury say that we pulled the foreclosure crisis forward seven to 10 years, like they were now saying it was a 13 to 14 or 13 to 18 year crisis, and that we had actually halved it. And they said that on video in our office. And when you look at the, 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 you know, the, the massive impact we were able to make with that small team, it's because we did a lot of things right. You know, we, we, um, we had massive leverage and we did stuff with a very small team. We led with revenue. You know, we're going to continue to do all those things. And so uh, I, I want you to just understand, like, that's, that's the real mission is that we do it in a way where it, when we say that we're a constructive company and we raise value for all stakeholders, I want us to mean it. Um, and then I'll share our company tenants with you guys really quick. Uh, there's five of them. And if there's any questions or comments, I want you guys to just stop me and I'll just watch the screen. So the first one is we walk our talk. Um, I, the biggest challenge I have with personal development companies is the people in the company don't seem like they've ever taken the company's products. And it freaks me out. Um, when we were at, uh, this is, this is an event I'll never forget. So Dave Ramsey and I did a ton of stuff together. And at one point we took, I think five people on our team to one of his events in Nassau in the Bahamas. And we spent a week with Dave Ramsey and his team. And at one point their team was out one night when Dave had to fly back to the mainland for a funeral and his team was out and they were totally wasted. And I, we, every person on our team had trouble going to the, 
seminar the next day because Dave kept saying stuff about the culture of his team and that they were wasted and everything he was saying was different from how they acted. And like, I never want to have that company. Even if it was one time, even if it never happened before, like, I just never want to have that company. So, um, you know, we, we expect everyone who's in our organization to be using our content. You don't wear Adidas shoes if you work for Nike. So we expect that you're using our planner, that you you're, you know, eat, have, have an intentional diet that you're eating, that you're you have a fitness regimen that you're keeping, that there, that you are, you know, doing what you should be doing to live like our content um, prescribes you you should live. Because then when you talk to our clients about it, it'll be congruent. Um, the second one is correct the process, not the person. When there's a problem in our company, always try and figure out where we had a break in the process, especially for those of you in leadership. The instinct in every company is to try and figure out who did something wrong. What we're really looking for is where was the process broken because then it's a lot easier to fix it. And looking for a person to be wrong is like the hardest way to an improvement. It's the hardest way to improve an organization. When you look at where the process is wrong, it's the absolute fastest way to improve an organization. Uh, there's just three more success through the success of others. One of the things that that is for for us is a, a value or is, is an edict is that not only are we successful, but our clients are successful. There are people who who get a lot of attention in the information products industry and who are like on stage and who do all kinds of stuff who sell products where 90% of the people don't complete them. That's embarrassing. And there's even a dialogue in, in the information products business about how it's okay to sell products that 90% of people don't complete. It's like, oh, you're weeding them out with a purchase. Yeah, is, it, is that true? Or are you just selling really shit products that like a market doesn't need? Because if we ever get to the point where we're getting 90% of people not completing a product, we need to stop what we're doing and figure out what, what broke. We don't do products that people put on a shelf. We sell products that change people's lives. And so um, we, we will always be conscious of what success are we creating in our clients' lives, not just did we actually make the sale. And then um, minimum effective dose is the second to last one. In all solutions that we create as a company, let's look to minimize like what we're doing. Let's look to make it simple. Occam was right. The shortest point, the easiest solution usually is the right one. Let's just use it and not overcomplicate stuff because the more simple we can keep our processes, our frameworks, our systems, everything, the easier it is to deliver consistently and scale. And then the last one is momentum in the process. Um, I believe that <clears throat> everything you do in a business should give you momentum from the meetings that you have to the time that you spend with your team to the learning that you do. So when we teach our clients and when they come to our events, they should feel momentum throughout the entire process. There shouldn't be a place where there's a loss. We should never have that place where they go, oh, I don't know what to do next. We should, we should like telegraph and choreograph everything for them and tell them where they're going. Because for people like us, what's most important is where am I going to end up? Because then I can figure out how to get there. And then um, for our team, when we are working together, we should all feel momentum in the process. If there ever gets to a point where it feels like you're pushing uphill or it's not fun anymore, then we're doing something wrong. Like not all of us are going to get to do exactly what we want all the time. I'm not even in that situation right now. But if it ever gets to a place where it's starting to feel like it's a drag, then something's wrong and like reach out to me or somebody else and let's talk about it because um, 
I've had a lot of team members come to me and have that conversation. And most of the time we've been able to figure something out. Uh, but I know that I've lost a lot of team members who could have had that conversation and they've gone somewhere else where they, they didn't resolve whatever was going on. So let me know if you ever feel that stuff uh, or if any of that comes up for me and I'm happy to have the conversation. Um, and that is the company tenants. Any questions on those guys or any comments? No, sweet. There's a lot more comments in person. Oh shit, I just pulled up the TI for the weekly and I was super lost. Um, okay, there's only one more thing. So there's two company policies that I share with every person coming in because I don't want anyone to ever say like, I didn't know. And they are one, there's a no gossip policy. So um, here's how we define gossip. It's talking to someone about a problem who can't actually help you affect a solution. And so if you are telling a, a coworker a problem that they can't help you with, that's just super distracting for everybody. And there's no reason to do it other than it's gossip. Because in our organization, if you can't reach up to the person that you report to, you can always reach up to me. And so there's no reason to talk side to side about issues. And, you know, in, in any organization, the person who, who wants to tell the people around them what's wrong, it just becomes a distraction and the team starts to distrust them. I don't want that to happen to any of you. So when there's an issue, reach up and let us know what's going on and we'll help you. And you won't meet anyone who works here for any period of time that will tell you they've had a problem that went unaddressed because they always are. So if there's ever anything going on, let us know. So they, we just don't have gossip. When you, when you don't have side-to-side -side conversation about issues where you can't resolve them, you just, you, you, uh, you eliminate an entire dynamic of conversation in a company that's unnecessary. And so, um, you know, we, we are strict on that. And also the other thing is that if it's ever about a person that that discussion is being had, it's, you know, then like, I have a kind of a no questions asked if somebody's gossiping even about a human being, or if there's, there's stuff being said about people in our company, I just, that's, I don't stand for it because every one of us has been in a situation at some time in our lives where we're the person being gossiped about and you know how shitty it feels. And there's no way somebody's going to get up every day and be in a company where they feel like that's happening to them. And then the second policy that I want everyone to know is we have a strict anti-discrimination policy. We hire people and it doesn't matter where they look like, where they come from and like who they sleep with and all of that stuff. I don't give a shit if they're talented. And so we run a meritocracy. It doesn't matter like how, what you look like. And if anybody ever makes anyone else feel inadequate or, or upset or insulted for who they are, that's like the last day that they work here. And so there's zero tolerance. And uh, it's, it, I've always had this conversation with everybody coming into every company I've ever owned. I've had about 10 times where I've had to, to terminate somebody for saying like racist, crazy, sexist stuff. And I, I used to think when I was younger and I had this conversation that it would never happen, but you guys would be shocked at how many people like can't stop that conversation. And that just shows you how prevalent it is in our world, but it will not be on this team because for those of you who choose, you can unplug from the media, you can unplug from negative people, you can unplug from all the bullshit that's out there and you can plug into this team and you will stay in a lot higher rate of momentum than anyone around you 
because when you work in an organization like this and you achieve together, you start to feel superhuman in what you're able to see and feel and achieve in the world. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the opportunity I think we all have. And so I, you know, I, I take it super seriously and I, um, I guard this team. So everyone who comes onto it, even for a trial like Hagen's in is, is screen like crazy. It's painful to get a job with us. So I want you guys to know, we're going to continue to do it that way and keep this team, uh, as efficient and effective and um, as noise-free as possible. So any questions or comments, guys, before we wrap up? Just uh, being in the Army, I have to deal with the opposite of this every single day, and it gets <laughs> it seriously, like, drives me crazy because now I used to, like, not be able to, like, put into words the things that were wrong with how they led the organization. Now I can articulate it. <laughs> And I'm like, here's what you're doing wrong. You know, you treat people like this and blah, blah, blah. But my point is like, it's most people, you're absolutely right. Most people are living the opposite of how we are. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Anybody else? No, I, I feel like I've been on a bunch of these and you get better and better at explaining them and more efficient. And so like, maybe that is partly why there's not any questions is because like you explain it well. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it, ma'am. Yeah, these are, these are, I'm starting to get used to these. It's only been about 13 years. Um, <laughs> for real, in multiple organizations, you should have seen the culture meeting I did 13 years ago. Man, did I suck. Um, I, it, like, I can only imagine what some of our clients' culture meetings are like, because when I first started <laughs> trying to do this, it, it all, I always ended up walking away thinking, do they think I'm crazy? Because <laughs> it would be like so, I didn't have a process, but now I just follow our process for our clients and what it, it actually works. So that's good confirmation, Justin. I appreciate it. Thank you. So awesome, guys. Well, uh, I appreciate you all being here and um, I'll see you on tomorrow's morning huddle. Oh yeah, and Isla, you should watch this morning's huddle because there was actually communication to future Isla in this morning's huddle. Okay. I'll send it to you right now, Ayla. Yeah, if you can send it to me, Jayla. Yeah, I've watched Jayla, it Just send it to her. Don't just tell her what you said in the video. Just you know, <laughs> present Jayla. Just send her the video of what passed. Jayla, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a bunch. <laughs> Alex and Arla, can you stick around for 30 seconds? I just have one thing to run by you. Yep. Yeah. Company culture is always a, reflect, a reflection of leadership. And whether you are purposeful or not, your company will have a culture. You have the choice to make it something you believe in, to make it something intentional, to create a performance culture where people are protected and they're enthusiastic and excited and committed to coming to work. I hope that in these two recordings or these two podcasts, you heard a team that is dedicated, that is committed, that is excited, and that is ready to take on the world and any challenge that they see. I know you can create the exact type of team we have because these are systems and processes that any entrepreneur can put in place. If you're ready to grow your team, if you're ready to have a business that you are proud of, if you're ready to have a group of people around you who are supporting you and your outcomes in a way that you've never felt before, go to billionairecode.com, answer a few questions with us, for us, and then set up a call with a member of my team. Let us show you how you can create the company, and the momentum you've always wanted. BillionaireCode.com.